we can learn a lot from the man after God's heart. So let's dig into the example of David and what it means for us on The Bible Brief. Tell a friend about The Bible Brief today. Your recommendation can help your friends learn the Bible in a new way. Tap share on your podcast player and share your favorite episode. When we read that David was a man after God's heart, we shouldn't just take it as an interesting piece of information. Instead, we should consider something applicable to ourselves. Am I a man or a woman after God's heart? Do I possess those qualities that God saw in David when he looked on the young shepherd's heart? Perhaps as we think to ourselves, we say, no, I'm not that kind of person. I see all kinds of awfulness in my own heart that certainly makes me different from David. I have envy of others. I have selfish ambition. I have greed. How could I be a person after God's heart? Well, to help answer that question, let's look at David's life and see what qualities he expressed. Those notable things that shock us upon first reading, but that we come to see as fruit of faith demonstrated in his actions. First, let's compare King Saul to King David. Saul was a man that the Bible portrays as a worldly king, who was almost never able to rule in a way that honored God. Saul's rule was the result of the Israelites' rejection of God as king over them, in favor of a human king to be like other nations. They wanted a visible king who would go before them and fight their battles. In response, God gave the people Saul, a name which means he who was requested. Saul rose to power with essentially one great success. He led the nation to victory over the Ammonites at Jabesh Gilead, and the nation was pleased with their new king. Yet as soon as he began to rule in earnest, his disobedient heart began to show itself. Conflict with the Philistines mounted, and thousands of chariots faced the trembling Israelite army. Saul became fearful of the gigantic army, and he offered an unauthorized burnt offering to God. Priests were supposed to conduct offerings, not kings. Saul was disobedient to God's law because of his fear. Later, Saul is commanded by God to completely wipe out the Amalekites because of what they had done to Israel back in the wilderness with Moses. But again, Saul disobeys a direct command from God as he spares the king of the Amalekites and much of the livestock. His pride and pragmatism kept him from obeying God's clear commands. Even after Saul had been formally rejected as king, we see his fear and paranoia reach a fever pitch as he continually seeks the life of the next king over Israel. Saul's heart bears itself as ugly, disobedient, and rebellious against God and God's plans. Saul shows himself to be a very worldly king. And so God rejects the king that the people wanted, because this king was disobedient to God. Instead, God raises up a man after his own heart, a godly sort of king. David's kingship is marked in a different way than Saul's, and oddly enough, this starts with him succeeding in his battle against Goliath. At that point in his life, he had won the people of Israel. They were even singing songs about him. 
Yet David didn't do something that many in his situation would have. He didn't attempt to take the kingdom by force. David's patience made him submit to God's plan. David waited for God to give him the kingdom. He was given opportunity after opportunity to harm Saul, yet he wouldn't destroy the man that God had anointed as king. God would have to judge Saul. God would have to settle the score with Saul. David's faith in God's power and God's plan keeps him from harming the king. Even after about a decade as a fugitive from Saul, David shows an amazingly tender heart toward the king after he hears that Saul died in battle. David composes a song to honor both Jonathan and his father Saul without any mention of Saul's constant threat to David's life. Even as David's opportunity for gloating arrived, his tender heart took no pleasure in the death of Saul. But perhaps more than all these great qualities of David was his desire to honor God. David was not merely content to live in God's continual blessing upon his rule. He wanted to do something for God. He wanted to build God a house for the Ark of the Covenant. This illustrates David's relational honor toward the God who had sustained him through all his years and blessed his reign over Israel. David's love of God urged him to honor God. These great contrasts between the worldly King Saul and the godly King David give us clear examples of what a heart after him looks like. A patient heart that submits to God's timing. A faithful heart that trusts in God's power and God's plan for the future. A humble heart that takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. A loving heart that seeks to honor God, who has provided more than we could ever ask or imagine. But that's not all that we can learn. Because even in the aftermath of David's sins, we see a heart after God. After his adultery with Bathsheba and his murder of Uriah, David is confronted with his sin. And in the moment that he's confronted, he confesses his guilt. He doesn't run from the awfulness of his actions. Instead, he simply says, I have sinned against the Lord. Then he wrote Psalm number 51, demonstrating his understanding of his total guilt before God. He knew that he had been disobedient, yet he also depended wholly upon God's great mercy. He asked God to clean his heart, to wash and renew him, and to erase his sins. David simultaneously saw the ugliness of his own sin and the loving mercy of God to deal with his sin. But in the same psalm, David also expresses an understanding of sacrifices that we should pay attention to. David essentially says this, that God doesn't desire sacrifices of the blood of animals so much as he desires a broken heart for sin. The sacrifices commanded in the law of Moses should come from a personal realization of guilt, an understanding that one's heart is not pure. God provides salvation from sin to those who know their hearts need it. It's when God has provided salvation from sin that sacrifices become a new form of faithful obedience, an obedience gained by turning away from sin and turning toward God. This is something that Saul failed to understand about sacrifices. He thought that God's favor could be gained simply through them, that God was somehow obligated by the sacrifices that men bring him. The prophet Samuel was quick to correct Saul, however, after Saul spared the Amalekite animals in violation of God's command. Samuel said this to Saul, 
Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination, and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. Saul had mistaken sacrifice for obedience, instead of seeing sacrifice as the fruit of obedience. Saul had rebelled against God in an attempt to come to God on his own terms. His stubbornness and presumption may seem small to us, but Samuel compares these to the great sins of divination and idolatry. We see then in the lives of David and Saul that sacrifices, while commanded by God, are to be completed with an obedient heart. They're to be completed with a heart understanding the salvation that God has provided and with a heart obedient to God's commands. Said another way, to be after God's heart is to realize that our own hearts need God's healing before we can please Him in obedience to His other commands. Perhaps the most critical point in having a heart after God, however, is to have faith in God's power to forgive. David didn't wallow in self-pity and in grief for the remainder of his days. Instead, he acknowledged his sin before God. He asked God to forgive him, and he lived his life refilled with joy because of God's grace toward him. An undeserving grace that God gives because God loves. This is the same kind of faith that Abraham had. Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. David believed God, and he was counted righteous as well. His sin was covered by God and counted against David no longer. To have a heart after God is to have the joy of forgiven sin, the joy of righteousness. Listen to excerpts from Psalm 32, written by David. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me, my strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. David knew the joy of righteousness that is found in God alone. A righteousness only found through faith and trust in Yahweh, the only one truly qualified to cover sin. Faith was the bridge between David's sin and God's covering of David's sin. Faith is what made David a good and righteous king. In fact, this quality made David the exemplary king, even despite his sin. For subsequent generations, he would be the model of what every king after him should look like a faithful man following God and leading his people to worship their Savior. What made David a man after God's heart? There are lots of answers to that question 
But the core of each of them would be this. Faith. Faith in God as the true king over Israel and over every human heart. The peace and righteousness of faith is what makes David a man after God's heart. Do you have faith like David? Join us next time as Solomon takes the throne and ground breaks on the great temple of God. The Bible Brief is brought to you by the Bible Literacy Foundation, dedicated to helping people like you learn the Bible. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2023